Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me of my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just... Marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. And he hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder, he's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss up with Haskell, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome to the BSM Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. If Jake Plummer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product and 5% of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice. Visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. Well, we are back after day two of the NFL draft. And we said this was the make-or-break day of any draft. It always is that way. And, boy, the Broncos got things done on round two with, uh, boys. I mean, two of our favorite picks, two guys that I had ranked right in the same, in the same tier as Noah Fant, their first-round pick. And it was quite a haul to... Uh, I guess two favorite prospects of mine in some ways, two guys who really stood out at the senior bowl when we were there, not just on the practice field, but in interviews as well. I mean, two of the most engaging and best leaders. Before we talk about that, I should introduce my co-host, AJ Hayfley, here with me. What up, Doug? I think we're ready for some redemption after uh, a frustrating night. Yeah. Yeah, frustrating night, and in some ways that trade down is validated with the Broncos adding that second second rounder. Mm-hmm. No, de- definitely. And parlaying that to move up from fifty two, which is the second rounder they got for moving down with the Steelers, and still giving up what a fourth and a sixth at the end of the day. I think that's we still can't find the details anywhere. Right, assuming no twenty twenty picks yeah. were involved. It does seem like the fourth and sixth is like a steal because even 20, I was 
telling you off the trade value chart, moving up 10 spots from 52 to 42 mm-hmm. would essentially cost you 100 points on the trade value chart, and they spent about 60 points. Yeah. Um, so even that's a steal. They it have makes to, you wonder why Cincinnati was so willing to move back. Well, all they wanted was Drew Sample, so... <laughs> They could have continued to move back they and get sure that guy. <laughs> they sure got up. Their sample platter did not work out for them. Nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Broncos stay at 41, take local kid Dalton Risner, one of the best. This is a guy that we were hoping for. <coughs> I mean, openly hoping for. And, and, and we certainly weren't alone. Oh, right. It was so funny. I mean, everybody, everybody on Twitter, yeah. radio stations, everybody was like, mm-hmm. we want the local kid. Yes, 100%. It was, it was just a perfect fit. Yep. You know, a guy that's going to kick inside, he's going to play guard. Yeah. He played tackle at, at K-State, but... Could play center, really. Right, but. and he can he can help them out at center with, you know, if there's any kind of an issue with Connor McGovern. Yep. Um, but, I mean, this was a guy that we liked. Oh, yeah. This was this was the right area of the draft mm-hmm. room. It was, it was great value. It was mm-hmm. everything that you wanted in a pick. It was yeah. a p- position of need, and it's a versatile guy that can fill... Multiple roles for you has the potential to not going to be his primary objective. His primary objective is going to be plug and play at right guard. Yes, 100 percent where I think he fits pretty nicely. And he's kind of an insurance clause because he can play at tackle. This is something we've talked about with O-line prospects Mm -hmm. is if you can get a guy, Jonah Williams being the prime example. But Risner was kind of like the next example after that. Yeah was if you can get a guy who can play tackle long-term for you but plug and play at guard immediately, mm-hmm. that would be a slam dunk. Absolutely. So they do that. Then they move up to 42. We already talked about mm-hmm. that trade. And we're thinking, are they going to go with a receiver? Right. The receivers were still very heavy on the board. Right. Our guy Debo Samuel was gone by then. Maybe yeah. Mac Wilson. Maybe a DB. Lots of, lots of needs mm-hmm. and lots of guys on the board. And they throw us a bit of a curveball there. You know, after yesterday, in what was a very win now, yeah, cater to Joe Flacco specifically kind of move. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they all of a sudden are all about the future. Yeah, I mean, hedging their bets. That's the weird part of <laughs> yeah. it to me is that it's been very win now, win now, win now. We've got to, we've got to get this turned around and turned around. They didn't get they didn't get so obsessed with it mm-hmm. and so locked in that they just said, we're not even interested. We're not even going to look at it. Right. Yeah. And when Drew Locke continued to fall, you know, it was one thing for Drew Locke to be there at the start of day two. Yeah. It's another thing for Drew Locke to fall 10 picks. Yep. hundred percent. And then, you know, they take Reisner mm-hmm. and okay. Next order of business. Their next pick is in 11 picks. Right. You know, is Drew Locke going to fall 11 more picks past Miami? Right. Probably no. not. Yeah. So they were trying to find a trade partner. They found one. And, I mean, quarterback of the future. Yeah. Drew Locke at 42. It's not unlike what they did when they uh, brought in Peyton Manning and then drafted mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler in the second. 100%. Obviously, Brock Osweiler didn't turn into the QB of the future. Um, and Manning played out of his mind and kept him on the bench for a couple of years. Right. But Brock did come in handy in that final yeah, season. They don't win the Super Bowl without no, him. No, definitely not. And that was another draft where they're in the late first. They move down out of the first into the second, take Derek Wolf, mm-hmm. and then use that added draft capital to get Brock and Ronnie Hillman. And so it kind of worked out. All three, all three of those guys have rings, though. Ronnie Hillman tried his best to... Uh, in the probably, AFC Championship to lose that game, he's probably pawned his by now. <laughs> yeah, I will to, never, to I will never forget that like fumble where he just gave up on that pass behind the line of scrimmage against the Patriots in the AFC Championship. Just a terrible situational play. A hundred percent. Um. So yeah, wow. I, I could have never imagined that this was possible. I tweeted out they got my 20th prospect, Drew Locke, my 29th prospect, no fan, mm-hmm. and my 33rd prospect in Dalton Risner. Well, and what you were telling me when they were when they were getting ready to make the picks was what, you know, what if you flip them around? Mm-hmm. What if they had taken Drew Locke at 20? You know, and then Noah Fanton and Risner 
back to back. Right. You know, would how would you feel about the draft then? Yeah. Um, I mean, the tight end thing, I'm not going to move on. But, I mean, getting a quarterback of the future and then getting a guy and two guys that are going to play on the field for you right away. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Reisner, for me, Reisner really ties this, puts the, puts the bow on this thing. Yeah, definitely. He ties it together super nicely. Yeah. Because his he's going to be a guy that not only is he going to be a guy that, oh, hey, he gets on the field. He could be a high caliber starter for you. Yeah. He could be a very good guard. And all of a sudden you go from, Jesus, are they ever going to fix this offensive line? Right. You know, to, hey, if Connor McGovern shows well at center, yeah. you know. Ronald Leary stays healthy. Right. This could be a top 10 unit. Obviously, a couple of big Everything ifs right there. Everything has to right? go right for yeah. us to be having that conversation. Yeah. But for the first time in years, we're at least saying it's possible. Yeah. You know, Garrett Bowles had a strong finish to the season. Yeah. If that continues on into this season. Right. You know, Jawan James obviously was given a ton of money to come in and be a right tackle. If he's the guy they believe he is, then... Yeah, and he can be inconsistent, but... Again, right. he's as young as Garrett Bowles, so still right. very young, right. just barely entering his prime. I think is twenty six. You know, prime mm-hmm. is usually seen as twenty seven, uh, early thirties, twenty seven to thirty two. Let's say so. You've got two offensive tackles entering their prime. This Risner, who on top of what you just talked about, the versatility, the ability, mm-hmm. the ability to plug and play, could become one of the best leaders on your team. A great guy and off the field. A high, two, super high character guy. Two yeah. leaders on offense who are Colorado natives. Phil yeah. Lindsay and yeah. Wiggins' own Dalton Risner. Yeah. So maybe a little more, you know, I mean, that orange and blue runs through their veins. Yeah. Guys that are uh, dying to not only play in the NFL, but to play for this franchise. A hundred percent. So you got to love that. It's not to say that you should go out and target Broncos fans growing up. <laughs> no. You know, and obviously right. Drew Locke was a right. Chiefs fan. So. Right. You know, maybe this is the sleeper agent being activated <laughs> like it was with Shane Ray. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it helps. I, yeah. mean, it's, I mean, it's not going to hurt you that these guys are dying to make to bring back the success that they grew up on mm-hmm. as Broncos fans. A hundred percent. And uh, so then, you know, you address two immediate needs and then the quarterback of the future. And I will. I mean, I don't care that. I'm sure two rounds of the NFL draft will cloud people's views on this, but I saw them 15 feet away from me on right on the sideline at the senior bowl and looked at Daniel Jones, Andrew Locke's every throw, analyzed them, took notes on every single throw, wrote a quarterback scoreboard because I'm a maniac like that at the Senior Bowl, and no one can tell me Daniel Jones, who was taken sixth overall, is a better quarterback prospect than Drew Locke. As much as I've been iffy on Drew Locke through this entire process, huh, I'm not going there. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not Daniel Jones, really. Right. And, I mean, that doesn't take into account the fact that he's a perfect fit for this system. Right. That arm to stretch the field and take shots deep – that athleticism to get out on the perimeter on mm-hmm. those play action bootlegs that are just the bread and butter of this offense makes simple reads yeah. and take shots downfield and is going to be perfect. That is one thing I like about all three of the picks that they've made, mm-hmm. um, you know, in these in the first two rounds here, is that all three of them cater to what they do. Yep. They're not just, oh, hey, we're going to draft these guys. Right. You know, there's a draft and, and follow plan here. Right. A draft and develop. And you're going to put them in a system in which they're set up to succeed, in which they're going to be good. You know, Noah Fant's going to have an opportunity to come in and be a, an impact guy right away because it's just Jeff, realistically, just Jeff Hireman in front of him right now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Good point. Um, and it's, it's really need and value lining up perfectly. Yeah. And that's how and, you end up having a really good draft. Well, and, and Drew Locke's not a first-round pick. Right. So that, that stigma yeah. is not going to be attached to him going into training camp where it's like, here comes the golden boy at the quarterback right. position where you're going to get four games into the regular season and Denver might be right. one and three, and Joe Flacco, you're going to be like, oh, we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah, you yeah, know? totally. Because, oh, hey, we've got the hot shot first rounder right. sitting behind him. Right. 
Not that you know. Not that that's gonna stop some people from it. Of course, sure, it of will, course, right? of course. Like, I mean, we are media after all. Sure. Um, but our it, jobs it does are... remove that extra layer of pressure from Drew Locke, where it's like, hey, you were the third guy they took, right? And I you mean, know, not only the third guy, they passed on you four times, <laughs> right? They Is said right? they said when, no at ten, yeah, no yeah. at twenty, right? No at forty-one, and then at forty, they were at fifty-two. They traded up to 42 and said, all right, fine, we'll do it now. Right. And what was really impressive about Locke, who's a guy we've been talking about for two years now. Mm -hmm. Um, We were definitely talking about him at the end of last season before he decided not to declare. The Good choice by him. Yeah, definitely. Ultimately, like... Definitely. Even though he didn't go in the first round, uh, just, it ended up being good for him. Yeah, and I mean, Mason Rudolph dropped to the third last year. Uh, I think that's who he would have been competing with had he declared. Yeah. And probably wouldn't have been as NFL-ready as he is now. And I'm I'm surprised that a guy that made the strides that he made, and we're going to get into that, has the raw skill set that he has, mm-hmm. is a four-year starter under three different offensive coordinators, and turned himself into the second all-time leading passer in SEC history. I mean, these are things that the NFL typically values, yeah. like the ability to start many games. Uh, to, be, to be fair, though, that's also arm. cause for concern. These things that the league mm-hmm. always values, mm-hmm. and they let this guy at the premier position in the game get 42 picks in. It has been a weird year for quarterbacks, I'll say that. A weird draft for quarterbacks. It definitely has been. Like um, a guy that's that's bite size went first overall. Yeah, in a league obsessed with size. Right, and a guy who's never thrown for over three thousand <laughs> yards was sixth overall. Right, and a guy who threw fifty touchdowns in one year at Ohio State for a huge program like in right. the bright lights and everything has all the acumen that you could ever want. And drops he just drops all the way to fifteen. Yeah, so it's been an atypical draft. That's for um, sure. What what really stood out about his progression was we looked at him last year. That big arm was there. The ability to hit it vertically was there. Um, lots of flash plays. His stats were actually better a year ago than they were this past season. There were two, maybe three major concerns. Doesn't play well under pressure. No. Is struggles when he has to go off his first his primary read, mm-hmm. and his footwork is a major work in progress. Yeah, the first two things he really flipped those on their head. Yeah, uh, he became so much better against pressure. I mean that Georgia game. How impressed were we watching that Georgia game where it was like right? Even though it was brutal, right? He still hung in, he hung in there. It was tough. Yeah, it was a. It was a battle of wills. 100%. It was a, you know, it was it was crawling through yeah. you know, the muck on right. that day where you were just it was grinding it out and yeah. grinding it out to stay competitive. It was an ugly day. Right. But you liked that this kid who'd always been kind of labeled as soft, yeah, you know, showed up and, and was like, Hey, I'm I'm not going away. Yeah. Hundred percent. And then as the season moves along, he's facing Kentucky, who has a ton of NFL prospects on defense and they upset them and beat them because he stood cool and calm under pressure. He mm-hmm. took what the defense gave him and it was when it was time to take his shots, he took and made those shots. And then he did that again against Florida, an even more talented defense littered with NFL talent and really got it done. And then he had an amazing bowl game against Oklahoma State. Though he kind of, you know, he went back to, like, junior version Drew Locke. It was throwing it up, making incredible throws, but the footwork still showed us. Mm -hmm. He reminded us this footwork still needs to be worked on quite a bit. Right. I mean, mean, mechanically, there's a lot of work to be done there. Right. But a ton of raw talent. And, I mean, he's gone through three offensive coordinators. He talked about how, even though he was under a new offense in his senior year, which, hey, credit to him for staying in school, even though he knew he was going to have a new play caller. Uh, he talked to us at the Senior Bowl about how he was still using the footwork mechanics that fit to his old offense. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the year said, you know, I got to adjust to this new offense, mm-hmm. even with my footwork mechanics. And he was doing that. So it was still very much a work in progress on that side. But, I mean, the guy makes... 
a ton of flash throws, and he's a perfect developmental quarterback in the system. And, I mean, you say developmental. I mean, you don't use a 40-second pick on a developmental guy. Like Absolutely. A, you know, you, this, I mean, developmental this is a, this is a as in. being groomed to be a starter yes. in a year, two years tops. Yep, 100%. And that was, you know, going back to last night, one of my frustrations was if this goes really well with Joe Flacco, you know, you're still talking about short term. Yeah. And it was it that's why I called the yeah. it's short sighted and I didn't like uh-huh. it. Well, no offense also gonna be able to help Drew Locke. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, a young quarterback's greatest safety valve is always his tight end. Mm-hmm. Especially a big weapon in the red zone. And by by the time Locke takes over as the starter, you expect Fant to have taken some of the mm-hmm. some of the rookie steps forward, you know, to get to where you really hope he is the impact guy you really truly have yeah. to get when you use a first round pick on him. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh so that that's exciting. That is really yeah. exciting. And I love that they addressed offense with these first three picks. This is something we've kind of needed and wanted them to do for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was a I think a frustration after the drafts each and every year was okay. You know, they're going to kick the can down the road. Right. They're going to kick the Bradley can down Trubb the road. Okay. Again, what are yeah. we? What are we going to do? You know, when's right. it? When are they finally going to commit to putting some kind of plan in place long term? Right. You know, we felt comfortable that they were going to draft a quarterback eventually in this draft. Yeah. Even if it wasn't in the top, you know, we thought fourth, fifth round, they right. would take a guy that they could at least just have. Yeah. That way, you're not sitting around like. Kevin Hogan every year, you right. know? You're not just going to pencil him in as the automatic <laughs> second stringer. Like, right. we're one Flacco injury, one Flacco hit away from Kevin Hogan being the quarterback. Right. Yeah. Year in, like, year in and year out. Right. Like, right. There was going to have to be something. And this is it, and it's a big something. Yeah. And I tell you, the three picks, you put them together. Oh, I know. And it's like, individually, there you can, you can mm-hmm. pick... Yeah. If you wanted to, you know, a guard is not a super high impact position. Sure. But a position of need and no. a plug and play starter. Big time. You know, but it's not he's not going to be a guy that goes out and probably not going to make a pro bowl, not going to dominate, especially year one. Yeah. You know, you're you're going to have to live with some some pain there. A hundred percent. But a guy that you hope becomes a high level starter by the end of his first contract. Right. Right. And yeah, Risner, I had graded as a first early late first, early second rounder, but I didn't mock him in the first because, well, for example, I thought he was a significantly better offensive line prospect than Caleb McGarry or Titus Howard. Right. Guys who did go in the first in the end. Uh, And the fact that he dropped a 41, I really thought. We were going to see a repeat of last year where guys like James Daniels and, you know, just we were waiting for that O-lineman mm-hmm. to fault us and it didn't happen. So they took Cortland Sutton. Instead, he does. And they made yet another move to then get Drew Locke. Uh, this really validates them trading down last night. Yeah. And that was that was a conversation that we had. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to trade down. You've got to make it worth it. Yeah. And this is. This is worth it. A home run yeah. for me. Like this is. We were we were frustrated last night. I was frustrated last night because I felt it was short sighted. Yeah. Totally. And that we were always going to be stuck in this. Well, we're trying to win right now. We're trying to go from six and ten to seven and nine to eight and eight to nine and seven. And right. it was going to be, you know, it was going to be like this like Jeff Fisher. <laughs> black hole of mediocrity forever where they get so obsessed with trying to win all the time that they don't take the proper steps to ever plan for anything more than just 12 months from now. Right. And today that got flipped on its head. They got a guy that they can both plug and play right now and a guy, hey, a guy that's going to be a much better backup than Kevin freaking Hogan. Yeah, no kidding. You know, a guy that you're going to be a guy that you can upside, you know, if Joe Flacco does get hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. we've seen Mm -hmm. hasn't hasn't been a picture of health the last few years. Yes, totally. So something does happen. You know, Drew Locke is going to be able to get in there and and you feel like there's upside there. Yeah. And not like, whoop. Right. (laughs) Right. 
bring bring back the old Willis McGahee fifty rushing attempts per yeah. game offense. You know, yeah. yeah so it's totally. uh, upside, yep. upside, long term viability, mm-hmm. and with Risner, you get somebody that helps immediately. I mean, this is as, as frustrated as I was last night. I feel the exact opposite today. Yeah, I think if yesterday was a C, we've jumped to an A after the first two rounds. Yeah. And we will update that in the next segment as we talk about round three and what have you. The other kind of final point is for Scangarello and Flacco, they get fanned. Mm-hmm. Scangarello's a quarterback coach. They get him lock. And, you know, if the thinking is this guy turned Nick helped turn Nick Mullins into a viable starter. Yeah. What could he do with someone with the raw tools that Locke right. has? Uh, that seems like a pretty sound logic. And then Mike Munchek on top of Juwan James and, you know, a raw ball of clay that is Garrett Bulls, for right. example. Now you, you out, get Risner. You went out and you got coaches to do a certain job. And then you went and gave those coaches players. Yes. And now you're saying, hey. Yep. Balls in your court. John yep. Elway can say, I, I went and got you what you needed. Yep. I went and I went and I filled those holes and I said, hey, coach him up. Right. I hired you to do your job. Now it's time. Yeah. He's done his part through the first two routes. Yes. Now it's time. It's those it's it's now, you know, you get to that point where it is it's now on the coaching staff and it's mm-hmm. on the players to to work as a cohesive unit. And get better and, yeah. and turn it into something meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, but an exciting uh, round two. Very exciting. And the upside for all these guys is really exciting. I mean, that's that tier they're in is that late first, early second. Definitely. is Project as a future starter with the upside for more. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where we're in. So I love that. We will be back just a second after paying some bills unless you have a final couple notes for me and we'll be right back to talk about round three and a whole lot more the green solution which has 17 colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible get on your phone right now go to their website mygreensolution.com order your flower concentrates edibles and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Wow. Just when we didn't think things could get any better, the Broncos keep on having a second day for the ages. I'm Andre Simone, your host. Actually, flying solo these last two segments. Uh, hey, AJ was busy, so so best of luck to him and the Avs. But we're going to carry on the show without him in these uh, special editions of the BSM Broncos draft podcast on draft day every single day. And yes, we will have a Saturday show after day three recapping all of that for you. So with the 71st pick, the Broncos stay put in round three. Let the board fall to them. There were some very intriguing options. And I... At this point, had kind of zeroed in on two guys from Ohio State. Wide receiver Terry McLaurin, a team captain, standout special teamer, a guy with blazing speed at wide receiver who could really complement the Broncos' offensive weapons and give Joe Flacco another deep target to, uh, you know, stretch defenses vertically. There were a few linebackers remaining on the board. Mac Wilson, Terrell Hanks, regular listeners uh, will remember them and how much we like them. And some intriguing defensive backs. But a guy I really loved and have loved throughout the entire process. And, I mean, I had him ranked as a first-rounder until he disappointed a bit at the Combine was Draymond Jones, the interior defensive lineman from Ohio State one of the better inside pass rushers that this draft has to offer, which is saying a lot because this draft is loaded on the interior defensive line, especially with guys who can penetrate and get in the opposing backfield. And that is exactly what Jones does. The Broncos have been searching for a player like this. 
really since Malik Jackson left, since Calais Campbell wasn't able to be signed, since Demarcus Walker hasn't really worked out. And now you have Jones, who I've heard some kind of criticize the pick, comparing him to Walker, saying he's a bit of a tweener, didn't test well, so maybe not as athletic. Uh, look, he's in our system, he'll have to be developed as a five technique. He's going to do a lot better when we are one gapping, which is what Vic Fangio likes to do rather than two gap, which is what most odd fronts will do. Um, and in a one gap, his quick first step, his length really shines because he's so slippery. All it takes is a quick move and boom, he's in the opposing backfield disrupting the pocket. And when you're doing that on the Denver Broncos, you're in trouble because that means the quarterback is going to be flushed out, has to run out the pocket, and is going to run right into Von Miller or Bradley Chubb, depending on what direction he goes in. He's going to be added to a defensive line rotation that has Adam Gotzis, who came along towards the end of last year, Derek Wolf, who went healthy, is still you know a great run defender and a guy who can take up space up front and create some penetration himself. Shelby Harris and Zach Kerr. And the aforementioned um, Demarcus Walker, who's still there in a rotational role. We'll see if he sticks. I think the big difference between Walker and Jones is that he has Jones has a clear-cut role in a four-man front, which is what the Broncos will be playing on third down when they're in nickel. He's a three technique. He's going to play you know, close to the center, and just shoot gaps and disrupt. That's that wasn't Walker didn't have a clear cut role like that. You were projecting, thinking, ah, eh, maybe he could be a three tech, but he always played as a, a, a defensive end at Florida State. Uh, and also the concerns with his testing don't concern me nearly as much because yeah, that first step quickness is there, and that length is there. And this is a guy who in the Big Ten, despite Nick Bosa going down, had his best season of his career, 13.5 tackles for a loss, 8.5 sacks, really had some outstanding games, has been one of my guys really throughout the entire process, 42nd on my big board, uh, right behind Zach Allen, who's another interior uh, penetrator, a bit more versatile, though the, maybe some tweener questions with him. He went to Arizona a couple picks before Jones. Those two guys were the top-ranked players with second-round grades. That is the lowest-ranked player the Broncos have selected in these first two days of the draft, which is just outstanding. We harp on all the time the importance of getting top 50 prospects not just because those guys project as future starters, but because they project as high-end future starters with the upside to become stars. And just like Dalton Risner, just like Drew Locke, just like Noah Fant, this is another guy that fits right into that mold, and I couldn't be more excited. I think the importance of what this does for the Broncos' defense in one of only two picks where they've stayed put and let the board fall to them was just outstanding. Uh, since I've been ranking players and really studying film and depth on the NFL draft and doing all this kind of work, the Broncos have never come close to having this kind of draft haul. Uh, really, you're looking at this, and we said it yesterday, by adding an extra second rounder, in that trade down from 10 to 20 to go get Noah Fant. The pressure was on to get another, to get two future high-end starters and try to get another guy like that in round three. The Broncos have exceeded those expectations significantly. Um, again, no one they drafted was ranked lower than 42 for me. Uh, Locke was ranked 20th on my board. They picked 20th. Uh, Fant was ranked 29th on my board. They picked 41st. Risner was 33rd on my board. For, they picked 42nd. And 71st, they get my 42nd prospect. I mean, the value there is off the charts. 
And I know there's going to be some criticism about Jones. Let's get into some of the negatives about him. Not the stoutest against the run. Uh, going to struggle a bit against double teams, which again, more of a concern if he had to go to a team that's still kind of building up their talent on the defensive line. Say a team like the Raiders, where some of your best pass rushers are first or second year players. Uh, that'd be concerning because if he does have to handle a lot of double teams, you're worried about that. Against the run, not always the strongest. Will get pushed off his spot. Won't anchor. These are all things that you get him with Bill Kolar. You get him working hard in the uh, weight room. I think you could see that. His upward project trajectory is very intriguing based off the fact that I already was very intrigued by how he played in 2017. And this is a guy that could have declared for the draft and probably would have gone, I'm not going to say in the same range, but I don't think that far off. I think he still would have gone in the top 100 to 120 picks. He goes 71st, which is kind of disappointing. Again, that all relates to the combine because he is a bit of a projection. He is kind of a high upside pick here. You're gambling on potential, and when you don't test well at the combine, that's going to hurt you because all of a sudden, uh, it's harder to take that risk on potential because we're not seeing it in your athletic testing. But at this pick in the third round, it's a risk well worth taking, and it really addresses a key need for the Broncos who've been lacking that pass rush in the middle and kind of forcing quarterbacks, you know, as much as the the edges were crushing down, quarterbacks could just step up in the pocket, nice clean pocket, and no problem. Now when they step up, here's going to come a, a handful of Draymond in your face. And that's going to force, you know, especially pocket passers like Phillip Rivers to adjust. And if this flushes guys like Pat Mahomes out the pocket earlier, it's going to give Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller a greater shot of running him down. It's just going to make your defense a lot scarier. And as much as I've been, you know, with our film room breaking down Vic Fangio, geez, we broke him down before he was even hired when we were breaking down all the uh, head coaching candidates. We talked about the importance of linebacker in this scheme. We still haven't added a linebacker. We haven't added that speedy wide receiver. Though in some ways, Noah Fant is that just molded in a tight end's body and a guy that's going to play a lot more uh, in the slot and stretch the seam rather than stretching defenses vertically outside. Though, of course, just like teams do with all the top tight ends, Fant can definitely be flexed out wide. Um, that's definitely something that can be done. Uh, you know, so linebacker, wide receiver, disappointing not to see those guys taken. You can only do so much with even with four picks uh, in the first two days. But inside penetration was a huge part of this defense that was missing. And I've said it all along. As much as, you know, Roquan, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan were crucial. And, you know, Khalil Mack and those edge rushers were crucial for the Bears defense under Fanjo. It was really a little, uh, you know, undersold the importance of, of the interior penetrators for the Bears and how that was really key in their defense becoming that top defense in the NFL. With Draymond Jones, you feel a lot better about that group. You feel a lot better about the Broncos' ability to get pressure on quarterbacks up the middle. Uh, we're going to see, you know, how good is this run defense without a guy like Dama Tepeco. I think they'll be okay just because Gotsas and Wolf are pretty good. And I think Kerr, and even Shelby Harris can be serviceable uh, run defenders in that nose tackle position from time to time. I also think this is going to allow your front to be more multiple. Uh, there's a lot of guys that fit just as well in a four-man front as they do in a three-man front. So you can mix it up a little more. And for Fangio, having more options and more versatility, that's really the name of the game with uh, you know the mad scientist that is the, the godfather for the Broncos. So I'm I'm frankly ecstatic. As I said, I haven't seen anything come any draft class come close to this for the Broncos in the six years that I've really you know taken my passion 
for the NFL draft and turned it more into a profession and analyzing this and breaking it down. So I'm just ecstatic. I think after the haul on day two, this is looking like an A-plus draft. Uh, at worst, it's an A draft just because all the guys they got. And it's not just great value. It's addressing need every single time. And it's improving your team immediately right now in 2019 but it's especially improving your team in the long term and Risner probably more of a safer pick that versatility and the fact that you know he hasn't played center since he was a freshman and some of those clips of him playing center as a freshman are eye-opening so I think a lot of his upside lies in the fact that if you convert him to guard and, you know, he was a pretty good college right tackle, an Amer- all-American level college right tackle. But, you know, he, he wasn't like a first-round talent. He wasn't a beast. Uh, he's more of a, a safe pick who's going to get the job done, though maybe not looking the cleanest at all times. His upside, though, when converted to guard or center could be could be massive. We could be talking about a top-five guy at either position in the NFL as a long-term projection. Fan, obviously, upside is off the charts. Um, I compared him to Zach Ertz yesterday, and I think that's really the best-case scenario for him. And, you know, George Kittle is another obvious comparison. Drew Locke, it goes without saying, the upside for him is also massive. And I've said it time and time again, I think I like Drew Locke a lot better than most of the quarterbacks coming out in 2020 because not just of those raw tools, with which obviously a lot of those guys in 2020 have, but Locke was able to put it all together and become a quarterback. He wasn't just a great passer in his final season at Missouri. He became a quarterback, became cerebral, had more responsibilities put on his plate, started to become better under pressure, started to become a clutch player and that is crucial and then you add Draymond Jones who has off the charts athleticism and you know one of the most premier skill sets the premier traits and we've talked about traits a lot throughout the year and how an elite trait matters a lot more than being pretty good in all areas checking off a lot of boxes but lacking that elite trait and some traits are much more valuable than others. Being able to rush the passer from the inside is as high as it gets as far as elite traits, and Draymond Jones has that. So absolutely an unbelievable draft. They've completely turned this on their head after some disappointment in day one. They validated that move to trade down and done just a phenomenal job. And I think, you know, Even when you stack it up against the Raiders draft, who had three first-rounders, I'd take the Broncos draft over what the Raiders got. And that's especially because the Broncos were able to address more important need areas. We talked about how Jonathan Abram wasn't the greatest pick for Oakland, as he feels too similar to Carl Joseph, a guy that hasn't worked out for them. So why would you assume that Abram would work out? And then, you know, they get Trayvon Mullen in the second round. Nice pick. Had him ranked fairly high, you know, right in that range where Draymond was ranked. But again, they've used much more premium picks. They didn't draft him at 71. They drafted him in the top 50. And they're still searching for a quarterback, for example. They weren't able to address all those needs the way the Broncos did and weren't able to get the best value out of every single pick the way the Broncos have. Then you look at the Chiefs, Frank Clark, good trade. It's a win-now mode. They pay him a lot, but they'll be able to get out of that contract by the time it's time to pay Pat Mahomes. Their first pick today, McCauley Hardman, speedy, undersized receiver for Georgia. That's not great value when DK Metcalf and other receivers like Terry McLaurin were still on the board, and it's also not a great sign because it means that, yeah, Tyreek Hill probably on his way out. So I have a hard time to believe, hard time believing that a team that's lost that'll have lost Tyree Kill and um, Kareem Hunt 
to that explosive offense at the beginning of 2018 is coming into this offseason and is going to be better than they were a year ago. And while I like the picks of Dron Thornhill and Kalen Saunders, uh, I don't think they address their greatest need area that was remaining on the board, which is at cornerback. So, yeah, not a great draft. As much as I love the Jerry Tillery pick for the Chargers yesterday, and I think they did a nice job getting Nasir Adderley today. Again, it's not a great draft, and I hated their pick of Trey Pipkins, the small school offensive tackle. A real gamble on upside. I think that's a reach in the top 100. So all of a sudden, the Broncos, who had a C after round one, and we're looking at the Chiefs, who made a B-level move, the Chargers, who made an A pick, and the Raiders, who were at about a C, considering how much pressure they had to succeed and really like knock this draft out of the park. All of a sudden, the Broncos have an A plus level draft, and their division rivals are just left in the dust. There's nothing to do once the Broncos have the kind of haul that they've had. And I hope you don't feel like I'm just you know, waxing poetic about the Broncos draft. I've had to, I've had to be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to BS this stuff. I, I put too much work into this and we have too many listeners who listen to me talking about this draft class throughout the entire year. So I've, as I've had to do in years past, I got to be honest and call it like I see it, or you guys are going to see right through that and call me out on it as I hope you would. And I'm just really excited about what the Broncos were able to do. Let's get into some of the other draft classes through two days that I thought were really, really good. First off is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, they get Josh Allen at seventh overall, a player that few thought would be able to drop to them. Not necessarily their biggest need, but they just said, we don't care. We're going to take this great player staring us in the face and get him. And all along, so many mock drafts, even some of mine, not my final one where I had him taking Jonah Williams, but some of those prior to that, to the final 4.0 version, like most people, I had him taking Jawan Taylor 7th overall. Jawan Taylor drops some injury concerns. They're able to trade up in the second and get him. Another guy who was mocked to them in the first round, TJ Hawkinson, right? That other Iowa tight end, good blocker. Nice receiver. Well, they get their tight end in the third round. Josh Oliver, an incredible athlete, big-time upside. We've talked about him on this pod. Decent blocker as well. Really good in contested catch situations. That was a phenomenal haul. I was telling AJ, it reminds me of when they were able to get Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack in the first in the same draft in, you know, first round, second round combo and how that set them up to make a run to the AFC Championship. Arizona Cardinals quietly have managed to get some really nice picks. Now, problem is they sold um, Josh Rosen at a really, really poor price. Uh, the best they got out of it was a late second rounder that they spent on Andy Isabella. And I'm all for Isabella, but, you know... Uh, trading Isabella for Josh Rosen straight up is just not great value. But they do get Byron Murphy at the top of the second round. Zach Allen, a player I really like. And I really like Isabella too. And they add a 2025th rounder in that trade for Rosen. So I think that's a pretty darn good haul right there. Uh, Buffalo really liked what Buffalo was able to do with their top two picks. They're able to get Ed Oliver, obviously, then they get Cody Ford at the top of the second round. This is another team. A lot of mocks had him taking an offensive lineman like Jonah Williams or Taylor. Cody Ford was in that first round mix. They're able to get him in the early second. That's a great haul. They had a young running back in Devin Singletary who brings a little uh, speed to their game. And Dawson Knox, a big, physical, toolsy uh, tight end who can block really well, kind of help him set the tone on offense and has significant upside. So I really like that. They deserve an honorable mention for sure. And I thought the Panthers, what the Panthers were able to do with taking Brian Burns with their first pick, 
Greg Little with their second pick. Though, frankly, for them, I thought, you know, and not just for them, for anyone passing on Risner and taking Little, it's a gamble on upside. But I like the pick. And then they get Will Greer with the 100th selection. Eh, don't love that, but really like the first two selections. That's definitely worthy of an honorable mention right there. Some of my least favorite picks, the Broncos traded with the Steelers who move up to get Devin Bush. That's all well and good. Uh, They didn't give up too much, so that was fine. With their second pick, they take wide receiver out of Toledo, Deontay Johnson in the third round. Yeah, okay. I think that's a monumental reach with some of the other wide receivers that were still around at that point. I do like their other pick, Justin Lane, the cornerback out of Michigan State. But generally speaking, I think when you look at who won that trade, I think it'd be hard to argue that the Steelers did a better job than the Broncos in their draft. I also thought the Cincinnati Bengals, after a nice first pick with Jonah Williams, underwhelmed a little bit. Didn't love the pick of Drew Sample in round two, though I do love or I do like their selection of Jermaine Pratt. Pick seventy two right after the Broncos. Uh, He would have been a nice target in Denver, but I'd much rather Draymond Jones. And then, finally, I think maybe the biggest losers of all, though we'll get into this a little more in depth, and I mean, Seattle should be up up here too, but at least they were able to add picks, and Seattle kind of does what they want to do. Their board is different from everyone else, and look, I got to give them credit for that. Titus Howard, Max Sharping, two small school offensive tackles, high upside. I mean, I get they're addressing need. They're gambling on potential. They're kind of in a win-now window, though, and need to do their best while uh, Deshaun Watson is still on that rookie contract. That gives them a lot of flexibility. Not sure these guys are going to be able to keep Watson upright right away. Concerning. Lonnie Johnson... Junior, the cornerback out of Kentucky. That was a nice pick. And then they're able to get a tight end. And Khalil... Yeah, I forget how his first name is pronounced. Waring out of San Diego State. Actually like that pick a lot. But those were kind of some of my least favorite and favorite drafts outside of the AFC West so far. All right, we are going to take a quick break break and i will be right back to preview day three which is now different Uh, so we're gonna get into all of that because the broncos had to trade some picks to move up and get drew lock we're gonna look at what potential options would be remaining for denver and that's gonna tie a bow on day two after that so stay stay tuned for the bsn broncos podcast in just a second hyper electric has been a part of the denver community for over 35 years Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger maybe a remodel and so we certainly have preferred people to piper and piper to them from residential commercial and industrial piper electric can handle all of your electrical needs They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. And we are back. As promised, we're going to get into a day three preview after the Broncos' outstanding haul. I should mention I thought the Patriots killed it, too. Uh, Got a lot of notes moving around here. So uh, always trying to fit in the last few notes that I couldn't get in in the last segment. That's just the deal. BSM Broncos podcast, Andre Simone, back here with you. Now, what's interesting here is... 
Now we don't have a fourth-round pick. We gave that and a sixth-rounder up to move up from 52 to 42. Well worth it to get Drew Locke. So we're going to wait a little bit on this third day until round five when the Broncos have two selections, 149, 157. The top of round four is really where do you like to be. We'll see if the Broncos are willing to make a move or maybe move down and try to add a few more picks. And then the final pick they'll have is 239 in the seventh. That's really where you're trying to get uh, priority and drafted free agents. But there are some good players left yet. I think the first note here is we've gotten through day two of the draft. The Broncos still have yet to trade Chris Harris Jr. I see that as a positive sign. I think, you know, after the trade demand uh, occurring, you know, it was it was telling that Harris said, uh, we can we can sort through this. We can figure something out. Uh, there's a way to repair this. Now, obviously, he said some more stuff on social media and what have you, uh, which which might be concerning. But I'm optimistic, and I think at this point, you really, you almost can't get rid of him. You don't have, you you could have got rid of him for a day two pick, even in the a third rounder, and made that work. I don't know that you can make it work for a day three pick. I mean, for starters, you know, Chris is just too good to warrant that type of low return. But you're just, it's going to be too hard to find a replacement. Uh, so I'm i am fairly optimistic that this, this might be a good sign in the end. Obviously, there are still, you know, over almost 50 picks that still need to go down before the Broncos' next selection. But here's what we're looking at as far as the best players available. Lots of defensive backs, wide receivers, and linebackers I'm high on, which is just what the doctor ordered with a few offensive linemen sprinkled in there. So that's exactly areas that you'd like to address and add to for, for Denver. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's the first one. Very high on him. I'm baffled that he's still around. I'm sure that some reports will come out explaining why he's dropped. It's probably some medical stuff. Hopefully it's not a terrible off-field situation that we don't know about yet. The big Iowa State wide receiver, Akeem Butler, I can't believe a guy with his stuff, um, you know, with his skills is still around at this point. Mac Wilson, linebacker out of Alabama, another high-end SEC performer. I am surprised is still around on the board. I get that, you know, He's he's dropped, didn't have the greatest uh, end of the year, didn't test well, but his cover skills are undeniable, and he's uh, he's pretty special. He's pretty special in coverage and is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Broncos, so it's kind of like don't overthink it. If he's still there, take him. I frankly doubt he will, but he's dropped this far, so wouldn't put it past him. Then you have Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, who's a really nice fit, uh, kind of what the Broncos need. That deep single high safety uh, would look really good paired together with Justin Simmons, though I worry about uh, some some lack of reliability when covering one-on-one. Uh, Julian Love, great corner, fits perfectly in this scheme. Uh, would kind of be insurance for Chris Harris Jr. Would be more of an outside guy, allowing you to play Bryce Callahan inside. Terrell Hanks is another guy that's really intriguing. We've talked about him a ton. The really athletic uh, linebacker out of New Mexico State. A guy who's got all the chops and coverage. Just raw in his ability to read and react. And finally, a guy that I've been really high on throughout most of the process is Drew Tranquil. The converted safety who became a linebacker at Notre Dame. Anytime you put the Irish's tape on, and their defense was one of the top defenses in the country, uh, he really, really stands out. Now, it's hard to say. I mean, the Broncos can only get so lucky, right? And as as much as they they brought that luck on themselves by just having a great draft and taking care of business and making some great picks, uh, the there's also some luck involved that guys like Locke, Risner, uh, even Draymond Jones were still around. 
So let's go through kind of some need positions and just some guys later on who I would target at wide receiver. Penny Hart is definitely a guy that would be a great pick for the Broncos as a slot receiver. Uh, he could get open underneath really nicely, though not necessarily that deep threat we'd like to see. Emmanuel Hall, Drew Locke's favorite wide receiver at Missouri, certainly would be that deep threat. I've talked about guys locally like Preston Williams out of Colorado State. Uh, major upside there. Didn't run well at his pro day, but showed some ability to separate. He's a big-time uh, outside target with great size. Former top recruit. Had an amazing season with CSU last year. And then Alex Wesley out of Northern Colorado. Another speedster who would fit really nicely in this offense. Maybe... With that seventh-round pick, you could look at Wesley there. Uh, though I really like this wide receiver class, there are quite a few names. Those are kind of the primary guys I'd target. Uh, luckily, we don't need an offensive lineman or tight end, so I'm kind of skipping by there. I will say that as far as offensive linemen go, he doesn't appear to have been taken yet. Michael Jordan out of Ohio State, their center, would be very, very intriguing. John Kaminsky out of Charleston, small school kid, really stood out at the uh, Senior Bowl, raw, just piece of clay, right, to mold here. And then linebackers beyond Mac Wilson, beyond Terrell Hanks, beyond Drew Tranquil, you go a little later. Chase Hansen is there out of Utah. Converted safety, became a linebacker, hard-hitting guy. Uh, but he's got some cover skills, too. He can move sideline to sideline. Same goes for Drew Lewis out of Colorado, the local kid, would really look nicely. I know Blake Cashman's very high on a lot of our listeners' boards. He tested off the charts. Member Curvin would fit in that range, too. I feel like there's some good talent at linebacker still remaining, which is great news for the Broncos. They've kind of played that to perfection to wait on that position and pounce a little later. We've talked about some cornerback help already and some of the safeties. Amani Hooker is a guy out of Iowa I haven't mentioned yet. He would fit really nicely, uh, could kind of be play, played in the slot too, which makes him extra intriguing, I suppose. <coughs> Pardon me, in Denver. Uh, so those are some guys I would target. We'll see what happens. Um, check out our position rankings and big board top 200. Plenty of those guys are obviously still available right now. And, yeah, I think, you know, you get just a couple more nice picks tomorrow. Uh, take care of business in the undrafted free agency period, which is going to start immediately after um, and is always really interesting. Of course, that's been huge for the Broncos in the past with guys like Phil Lindsay and, you know, Chris Harris Jr., but even not such big-name guys like, say... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm uh, Shaq Barrett, of course. Uh, they need to take care of business. That'll be really interesting to see. And, yeah, I'm just excited. I think anything they add to this class where I'm already seeing four potential starters with, you know, profiling to be high-end starters, not just run-of-the-mill starters. You know, anything else on top of this is going to be gravy. I wouldn't mind seeing another running back added. Uh, whether it's in the undrafted ranks or, you know, even in that seventh round pick, someone who can bring another element that Phil doesn't bring, maybe a little more competition for uh, Royce Freeman, someone like Dexter Lawrence, uh, Dexter Williams, I'm sorry, out of Notre Dame, Benny Snell out of Kentucky. Rodney Anderson would be my top target. If your medical team says, look, he's a medical risk, but he's worth taking that risk on, you could potentially be getting the best running back in this class with a seventh-round pick. That would be well worthwhile. Uh, so that's kind of a recap of day two of the NFL draft. Check out all our great content. I'm writing a film room for every single uh, pick that the Broncos have made. Some will appear the night of the draft. Others will appear the next morning. It's just a matter of when you go to bed. I'm basically staying up all night pumping that stuff out. For all you lo loyal subscribers, 
go back and look at uh, kind of our round one recap stuff. I enjoyed writing that. Uh, Broncos-centric first-round observations, kind of looking at trends in the draft, what they mean for the Broncos, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, lots of great content. Check all that out. And thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more of this, and AJ will be back. Uh, before leaving, though, let me tell you that Live Well Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of LiveWell's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weight half ounces and $60 pre-weight ounces every day. LiveWell has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L dot com slash BSN. I'm Andre Simone. This was another special edition of the BSN Broncos podcast. Immediately recapping draft day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.